Welcome to Kingdom Perspectives. My name is Corey Turner and it's my privilege to host you for today's podcast. Kingdom Perspectives is all about getting God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. In a world of increasing noise and deception, we need to cut through the confusion and complexity of the times we live in and get God's perspective on our lives. We'd really appreciate it if you click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be really helpful to us. And it's my privilege just to introduce our special guest today. We have Pastor Matt Hines. He's the Senior Pastor of Faith Christian Church. Matt, how are you doing? Good. Very good. That's good. In this season. <laughs> In this craziness. That's exactly right. Uh, so for those who may be listening on the other side of the world, um, obviously you would know we're in uh, uh, the pandemic of coronavirus, but in uh, the state of Victoria, we are back into pretty extreme restrictions. Have you got your mask handy, mate? I bought three different masks just to make sure that I've got one for each particular setting. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, with their own fashion label? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, Matt, maybe just um, share with us and for those listeners out there who um, maybe not familiar with your own ministry, share with us a little bit about your story, maybe just your, your upbringing um, in the church or when you got saved and and then maybe some of your leadership journey over recent years. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents actually got saved in a Billy Graham crusade back in 1969. Wow. Yeah, so uh, my mum came forward at the altar call six months pregnant with me. So I always say I was saved in the womb and out of the womb. <laughs> I know that's not theologically correct, but it's a great story. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, so my dad was always, you know, mum and dad were obviously very passionate for the Lord. So I grew up in that house uh, in an early age. just felt the Lord started to speak to me about going to ministry and what that looked like and really, you know, give uh, him my future. Great. And so that was kind of the next season. Uh, did Bible college in Melbourne, and then my parents went to Pioneer Church in Adelaide, which I went with them in Adelaide. We were there for 20 years. Uh, that ministry journey was quite challenging. Uh, yep. You know, we really had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. You know, I used to stand on the street corner with a guitar playing, Wow. you know, praise and worship songs as people would come out of the pub. Wow. And, uh, you know, they'd be completely plastered and, oh, I got on you, buddy. You know, great. <laughs> <laughs> and so... I just had a crack, you know, yeah. and uh, those early days. Uh, but then I started to get involved in the large church in Adelaide, which was back then called Paradise Community Church, yeah. which is their influences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Russell really took me under my under his wing, and that was kind of my ministry journey as I started from there. Yeah, great. Uh, we've now been in Melbourne for 10 years, uh, and so I served with Russell in the youth ministry, young adult ministry. Then when he came to plant a church in Melbourne, which is now Planet Shakers Church, uh, his brother asked me, actually asked me to help him run the, the church. And so we did yep. that for about five years. Yep. Then God started to stir us about running our own thing. Yep. So we started to go on that journey. And I went on a 40-day fast and, you know, God gave me a few dreams and a few visions and things like that. It's great. And I had a vision of, of working with a white-haired man. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, I would uh, used to, you know, first time I, I had that, it was actually a dream. And so well, I woke up and I thought, that's a strange dream, you know, this white-haired man. So I was driving through the streets of Adelaide looking at all the white-haired men, trying to work out who the guy was in my dream. Well, I had that dream three nights in a row. Wow. And it was God was saying, hey, listen, I'm preparing you for this next season. About six to eight months after that, um, just through a series of circumstances, I met Pastor Alan Davies. Yeah. Uh, we went out for coffee. Legend. Yeah. And he said to me, he goes, look, I've been thinking about, heard that you've left the church or, you know, resigned from your current position. You're looking for something new. 
He goes, I want to start to talk to you about transitioning the church to you. And uh, first time I met him, I looked at him, I thought, you're the white-haired man in my dream. Wow. Yeah. Now, I didn't say to him, hey, listen, I've been dreaming <laughs> about you. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit awkward. <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> but even in those early days of just God setting up divine appointments, yeah. you look at that and you just go, uh, you know, that that was a obviously a significant moment of God saying, oh, listen, I prepared the way for you. Yeah. And I think whenever there's a significant transitional moments, Good. if you can always come back to that moment that God spoke to you, there was a confirmation, there was something that was going on that was yeah. supernatural. When you go through a hard time, those are the moments that you really hang on to. Yeah, you know? for sure. And so in the early days of the transition you know, with Faith Church, which has been a great transition, there are obviously some challenging moments, but yeah. you'd often go back to that moment and say, well, we know that God has called us here. We know this is where God has called us. And so, yeah, so here we are now, 10 years later. So good. Church is going great, and yeah. this is where we are. No, we're so glad that you're in our city and state, mate. We love you and your wife and your ministry. And as we've already talked about, we are several months into this whole craziness called COVID-19. What, for you during this season, has been one of the biggest takeaways, both personally and maybe from a ministry perspective? Look, I think overall, I think it's actually good for us to live with uncertainty. Yeah, You know, I think many times in life, especially in the Western world, we are so planned and everything is so tight that when uncertainty comes into our world, a lot of people actually don't know what to do. Yeah, And so the idea of actually not panicking, you yeah. know, understanding that uncertainty is a part of the Christian faith. You think about the uncertainty that the disciples lived in in their era. You think about some of the uncertainty that Christians around the world, they don't have oh, the luxuries totally. of faith that we have yeah. that actually live with on a daily basis. So I think the takeaway for me is actually going, okay, in this new season, living with this, I don't know what's around the next corner. I have to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, like Ecclesiastes, I love this scripture, yeah. chapter 10 and verse 4 says, if a ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post. Calmness can lay great offense to rest. Wow. So this idea of things that happen that are out of your control, yeah. don't leave your post, your mandate, the thing God has called really you to good. do. Just stand in your position and stand in the gap and just keep doing what God has called you to do, you know. Uh, so I think that's been good. Yeah. You know, what happens when God throws out the plan? <laughs> yeah. There's always another plan. Yeah. And what surprises you doesn't surprise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, my old boss used to say, one of my first sales jobs before the ministry, he used to say, Where is it? wherever there's a negative, there's a positive. Yeah. Uh, just like a battery terminal. Sometimes it's hard to find, but it's there. Yeah. I think the positives for us as a church has been just to reach out people in a whole new way. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've been a bit slow on the uptake in terms of our online presence and, mm. you know, reaching different people groups around the world. That has certainly increased dramatically. We've been forced yeah. to upgrade, upskill, yeah, yeah. updevelop, you know, in order to do that. So I think that's been good. Personally, I think for me, it's been a good time to study the word. Uh, you know, I've been focusing on the historical context of the word. So yep. looking at some of these uh, scriptures and some of these uh, chapters in the Bible and what does that mean historically. So that has been yeah, really good. good for me. Uh, I've challenged our church to dig the well. Yep. I think many times in life we get so busy doing so many things yeah. that we actually stop to actually take a breather yeah. and take stock and revisit and maybe go a bit deeper yeah. in the areas that have been quite surface areas in our life. You know, yeah. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down yeah. in green pastures. Maybe God is actually forcing us yeah. just to back off a little bit yeah. and to dig a well and maybe to experience God in a whole new way. And I think this season has revealed to all of us how much time we actually waste on things that are trivial and not important. 
Oh, and absolutely. Personally, and and I know for my teenagers, I'm like, stop playing Xbox for goodness sake. <laughs> um, but also, I think as leaders, when it comes to the church, how many programs, how many things that we are engaged in, is it actually effective? What yeah. do you think for the body of Christ will be added to the church coming out of this in a positive sense? Look, I, I know this kind of sounds very um, kind of non non-active, but I think if you can use this time to think deeply about where your church is at mm. and to think deeply about what's working and not working, not you know what is not working, mm. uh, to think deeply about the people that you're actually reaching. Yeah. You know, often in church life when we're dealing with problems, we only look at them at surface level. Yeah. Uh, but if you've got issues in your church, it requires a lot of deep level thinking to find solutions to those particular issues. You know, how are we reaching the next generation? How is our communication? Yeah. You know, are we, uh, you know, being a lot more focused on reaching the right particular people groups that we feel need to hear the gospel? There's so many things that we often don't think about because we're running from program to program to program. Yeah. You know, I've looked at us and I've gone, well, I don't know whether I need that. I don't know whether I need that. I don't know whether I need that. I know pressure as a pastor is often to say yes to everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard this great phrase once that no is a decision, but yes is a responsibility. Yeah. I think right now it's great to look at the yes and the no's in your ministry. Yeah, really good. And go, there are some things that I've said yes to that I should have, should have said no to. Yeah. And there are some things that have, I've said no to that maybe I need to say yes to. So this is a great time to reevaluate the culture of your church, really the culture good. of your ministry, and look at some of those decisions and maybe have a look at to see some of the things that you need to change in. Very good. Um, one of the key strengths, uh, observing from a distance and up close over many years of your ministry, is obviously your leadership gift and, and capacity. What do you think has been one of the biggest influences that has shaped your approach to leadership? Are uh, you talking about people or just general? It could be people or it could be um, uh, anything. It could be a, a, a personal discipline. It could be a something you've heard. What, what's either who or what? What has shaped you the most, do you think, in the formation of your own leadership? Uh, look, I, I think over the years, you just can't discount the different stages that God has taken you through in ministry. Yep. You know, so when I left Bible college, uh, I wanted to go into ministry straight away. And I remember sitting down with my Bible college lecturer, who was a great guy, but I was very quiet, very shy, really couldn't communicate properly. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to go in ministry one day. And he said, look, we don't really think that's for you. Uh, we don't think that you've you've probably got it in terms of your communication skills. Wow. Why don't you just get another job? And and so I just went out and got a job in sales. Yeah. But that taught me how to communicate with people. Yep. Yeah. That taught me how to uh, understand people. That taught me how to value the needs of other people. Uh, then from there, when I started attending Paradise Church years ago, they got me involved in running a connect group. And it was a connect group in some of the real poor, socially challenged areas in Adelaide. And uh, again, God taught me how to love people, how to love the unlovely, how to reach out to people that are struggling in life, uh, yeah. you know, how to care for people that have always got issues and you know, find it very hard to overcome. And so if I look at all the different stages of the ministry journey that God has taken me on, whether it's been in the marketplace yeah. or whether it's actually been in church life, you just can't discount anything. Mm. Mm. Uh, what I'd say, there have been some light bulb moments. I think there have been a number of little moments, yeah. thousands of them over the 20, 30 years of ministry that have really shaped me uh, who I am today. And you just can't discount 
those little things. Yeah, so good. You know, in football, coaches talk about the one percenters. Yeah. You know, often we're, as football spectators, we're looking for that spectacular mark or that goal that's kicked in the dying seconds, but often it's the one percenters um, that really add up over a long period of time. And I think sometimes as leaders, we underestimate the process that's involved in the breakout moment or the breakthrough moment. Everyone sees the breakthrough moment. Mm but they don't see the quiet, hidden moments. You know, in the scriptures, it talks about Jesus' silent years. He just grew in favor and stature with God and man. For many years, we don't read of anything in the Gospels of what was happening in his childhood and upbringing, but it was the process that eventually led to that breakout moment of his own ministry. Um, What would you say to people who aspire to greater leadership influence in their lives and ministries, but maybe are in that process season of life where they're not seeing a whole lot of fruit or a whole lot of results around them but they are still feeling that call and desire what would you say to them as they aspire to greater influence look i think one of the things that you need to look at if you you just take away the whole ministry idea but just you as a person if you can be a person that can add value to whatever you do good if you can be a problem solver you would just find that god will open doors I've never had to push a door open. When I speak to guys in ministry that are, are doing fairly well and, you know, they seem to feel like everything's landed in the right place, it's never been the yeah. door that they've gone after. Yeah. It's just being, I'm going to develop myself, I'm going to shape myself, I'm going to be a person that's going to be a problem solver. Uh, if you can solve problems, you'll always be valuable in any organization that you're in. Yeah. If you can add value, then whether it's ministry, whether it's marketplace, whatever it may be, you'll always be in a position that you'll never have to worry about the open door. I mean, you look at Joseph, you know. Uh, Joseph was a problem solver. You know, Potiphar's house, um, you know, problem solver. Uh, Pharaoh's, you know, when when he came in. And you think about the dream got Joseph in the door. But if Joseph didn't have a great plan and not being a great problem solver, he really would have only lasted maybe a year and that would have been it. So the challenge for us, I think if you want to keep growing whatever your aspirations are, just continue to add value. Yeah. Continue to be... I always say to my staff, don't come to me with a problem. Come to me with the five solutions that are attached to that problem. Yeah, good. Really good. So over, say, the last 20 years of your own ministry and your, your leadership, how do you think your leadership style or approach to leadership has changed or developed? Uh, as we look back over our lives, we can sort of go, you know, there's a lot of things we learned, maybe some things we've regretted, things we've done. How, how do you think your own approach to leadership has changed or developed over the last 20 years? I think as you get older, you become a lot more comfortable with your own skin. Yeah. I think when you start off, you want to kind of become all things to all men. You want to be great at everything. You just can't. Yeah. And so as you get older, you begin to understand your personality, your yeah. journey, yep. the shape, where God is taking you. And so I think one of the big things in ministry as you get older is you go, I'm great at that, but I'm actually not great at that. So I'm going to staff around that or I'm going to seek help in those areas, but I'm going to complement my strengths. Yeah, good. But I'm also going to deal with my weaknesses as well by understanding that I can't do everything. So I think that's a that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, I think the other one is is understanding that God will lead you and having a great confidence that, you know, God does actually open doors. Yeah. Look, I've been surprised. I mean, sometimes in life you just make the wrong choice, not because you're a bad person or you've got a bad heart, but you just can't see what other people can see. Yeah. And I've been amazed how my different ministry journey has never been a straight line, but it's been trying this, trying that, that didn't work. 
you know, outside of a pub with my guitar, thinking <laughs> that that was going to bring revival to that city, all of those types of things. And yet you seem to land in this great place. Yeah. And so you actually understand that, yes, there is strategy. Yes, you have to keep developing yourself, but there is the sovereignty of God over your life. Yeah. And you have to trust that Good. over the long term. Yeah. Uh, I think fear is overrated. Yeah. I think when you're young, you know, fear can be I a real agree. controlling yeah. thing. But as you get older, you realize that, you know, you've, you've, you've allowed fear to be too much of a voice in life. Fear is overrated. Yep. People's opinions of your ministry is overrated as well. Yes. I mean, all of those things, you know, have their place. But if you give them too much airplay, that can actually really stifle the creativity and the mandate that God has actually put upon your life, you know. So I would say to anyone who's listening who's maybe starting off, you know, the things that you think are important right now will be very different 20 years from now. The things that you thought were like, oh, this is a big deal, you know, 20 years later. When I first started, especially at the church, you know, I was really fearful that, you know, people are going to hang around and, you you know, obviously Pastor Alan, big shoes to fill, how's that going to work? So I started to write down all my fears. Wow. Kept a journal of my fears. Revisited them a year later, two years later, I went, well, that was pretty dumb. Yeah. What was I even worried about? What was I even worried about? Yeah. You know, that was never going to happen. So what that does, it actually gives you confidence moving forward. Yeah. That the things that actually hold you back, like the fear of the future or the fear of your own gifting and the fear that you're actually going to make it, they actually become minimized by you actually getting that revelation by understanding that those things haven't held you back in the past. Yeah, so good. Let's um, change gears a little bit. Let's talk practically about culture versus strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, in just hearing you speak and watching you minister, that culture is something that's really important to you and, and I think to any leader who's serious about bringing change and fulfilling vision. Um how have you gone about building culture in the life of your church? You've got a, a, had the privilege of preaching there a few times, seen the health of the culture amongst the team, the staff, the congregation. Obviously, you inherited a, a healthy church um, that had a great culture. Um, but how have you gone about building culture and, and how would you encourage leaders to really be intentional about building this type of kingdom culture in their own churches and ministries that are going to complement the vision. So the church that I came from in Adelaide, uh, Influences Church, had a very strong culture. Then I came to Faith that had another very strong culture. But those two cultures were very different. Right. So I guess I've had the privilege of seeing two different cultures and the strengths and the weaknesses of those particular cultures. Yeah. So when I first came, the best advice that was ever given to me was uh, Pastor Allen. He said, look, he goes, when you come... Just don't have vision for the first two, three years, which I thought was very counterintuitive yeah. to everything else that's been taught out there. He goes, just don't have vision. He goes, God has got a vision for this church, yeah. right? This bride is unique yeah. in the way that God has, has built this bride. So sit back and just get a feeling for where the pulse of the church is. So I think that was very, very important for me. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think the second thing is building culture is that we have built culture in the church slowly methodically consistency yeah and to really allow the church or to let the church know that what we say we will do we will do yeah i think vision sunday for us is not a wish list it's the stuff that we're already doing or that we've done over the last 12 months yeah good and uh, you know if you want to get a lot of cultural things across the line so to speak uh, people have need to have confidence in your leadership they need to have confidence in what you say you will actually do yeah 
And so what us, what we have found for us that have been real culture builders is may not, you know, may not just be the, the conversations or the goals or the plans, but the fact that we have shown over a long period of time that we are able to do what we feel God has asked us to actually do. Really good. So I think they are the foundations of great culture. Yep. I think the second one is actually being very clear about what your culture will be like. Yep. And I think culture always comes down to people, and we talk about atmospheres and things like that. Yep. But how does the, an individual leader in your church actually look like? You know, yep. so some of the things that we often talk about is, uh, you know, we want to be people smart. We want to understand people really well. Uh, we want to be kind to people. You know, yeah. we want to be lifelong learners. You yeah. will never be in a place that you'll never stop your learning. So you want to be a person that is always wanting to learn, always want to re- respond in a learning way Good. that you can develop yourself in a personal way. Uh, you want to be a self feeder. You know, if I'm always feeding you, that's not the way that God has called you to be. You have yeah. to be a self feeder. So just like I have a very strong, healthy devotional life, you need to have that in your own life as well yeah, good. if you want to thrive uh, in our church. So being articulate and being clear about some of the things yeah. that we would see and promises in individual people really help uh, help build healthy culture. It's fantastic. And when it comes to strategy then, because often, you know, um, there's different perspectives on culture versus strategy. Mm. What role does strategy play for you as a leader in the execution of God's vision for your church? You know, you hear this um, quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast, Mm. Um, but strategy still has its place. And sometimes um, leaders think if we just cast the vision and we build the culture, that alone will make the vision work. And yet then you travel down the road and realize, hey, I actually need to bring some strategic thinking to this. So how have you engaged with strategy and strategic thinking as it applies to the trying to see the vision become a reality? Years ago when I was in my first sales job, uh, I used to do corporate sales and used to supply the hospitals and all of the major catering places for food service. Yeah. And uh, my old boss used to have this saying, he used to say, whatever you're walking in now is what you did 12 months ago. So if you're not getting sales now, it's because you didn't, went strategic 12 months ago with relationships, with working new customer bases, all those types of things. So we kind of work six to 12 months in advance. So whatever we're walking in today is what we strategically thought about 12 months ago. And so part of the strategy, again, is being 12 months in advance, two years in advance, thinking deeply about where you want to be over that period of time. If you have a big vision, it's going to require big strategy that's going to require a lot of thought and a lot of planning in the actual process. You know, so for strategy for me, it's not just about, you know, the nuts and bolts of getting, you know, okay, we're going to put a campus here or we're going to start a new ministry here. A lot of our strategy also involves about getting the right people on the bus as part of that process. Good. You know, we have found that our campuses have grown significantly over the years by purely getting the right campus pastors in the right positions. Yeah, good. And I would say probably 80% of our strategy is getting the right people in the right, right places that have got the right culture, that have got a great relationship with us, that understand where we're going as a church. We find that everything else will begin to fall into line as well. Part of the other strategy is obviously understanding what's below the line, what's above the line. Yep. These are the things that you know they can change and they can be flexible about, but these are the unchangeable things yeah, as good. well. So I think strategy for us is about forward planning quite a lot, number one, and number two, being really people-focused, putting the right people in the right places. Yeah, really good. 
that will be helpful to so many leaders out there. What's been one of the most effective ways that you've personally developed leaders? I know that in this season, um, leadership development looks pretty different. Um, and I think what I've observed in a Western context for the church is often discipleship has been translator or interpreters being all, all come to an event, mm. uh, which on one level is good, and yet we see in the Gospels this emphasis on life-on-life relationship. For you personally and the fruit of your own team and ministry, what's been some of the more effective ways that you've actually helped leaders to grow and develop in their own ministry? I think one of the big ones is is it's in the multiple conversations that you are slowly chipping mm. away mm. at developing leaders. Yep. You know, I think if you have one, you know, often people think, oh, I've had that one conversation, that'll change them. People find it very hard to change. Yeah. You know, the Bible says, talks about, you know, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that when he created the atmosphere, uh, the literal Hebrew translation says that he hammered it out. So this idea of a little hammering out to stretch out the atmosphere. Wow. That actually created a healthy atmosphere for life to sustain itself. Yeah. So if you think about it, if you want to create a healthy culture or healthy discipleship, it's not just going to be the one big hammer, the one big conversation, but it's going to be the little conversations along the way and hard conversations, difficult conversations. uh, And also, so I think that's a big one. I think the second one with that is actually letting the people that you're discipling know that you're going to be very upfront about the things that they need to work on. So I always say to my staff, I go, look, if I say something, it's not going to be a hidden meaning. Sometimes you have leaders that, you know, are hinting. Yeah. So people walk away confused. What did they say? I don't really understand. You know, be very upfront. Be very clear. Don't be offensive, but yeah, be good. very clear about some of the challenges that they need to work on. And just like, you know, the Lord spoke to Abraham many times about becoming a great and mighty nation, uh, I think we got to speak to people many times about certain issues, and you just can't never give up on people. Yeah. You know, you always, and you, I think you forget as you get older, you probably see this as well, Corey. Yeah. You know, as you get older, you know, forget what you were like when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I always am reminded about the different people that were at different stages in my life and certain things that I needed to work on. Yeah. And one day the penny dropped. Yeah, it's so good. So sometimes I'll see this in some of the people that we're discipling. We go, I know, I know where you need to go. So I'm going to just keep chipping away, keep encouraging, keep challenging, yeah. and then one day, one day the penny drops. So I think for us, it's in the multiple connection that discipleship it actually works. Really good, and I thank God for those who believed in us when we didn't believe in ourselves, oh, or uh, when there was so saw many, something in us. Yeah, that's right, and that's one of the things I constantly remind myself of is, you know, even in Jesus' life and ministry. Some of the disciples that Jesus had on his team, we probably wouldn't have chosen uh, because of their challenges, their issues, doubting Thomas, betraying Judas, foot and mouth disease, Peter, um, different people. And yet Jesus, over that three and a half year period, had those conversations. Um, Considering the demands of leadership and every leader who's honest and realistic about um, the daily uh, challenges that they face, would understand what I mean by the demands that we all face, be it the expectations and pressures of people, the financial demands, the compliance uh, challenges that we all are required now, particularly in uh, a COVID season. For you personally, maybe talking personally uh, rather than corporately, what are some of those practical disciplines that you've employed in your life 
um, that you engage with regularly <clears throat> that really help keep your tank full, um, that ha- help keep you above the waterline so that you can live out of overflow and, and, and give out to others in a way that's empowering to them? What are those things? Uh, I always say that routines are my best friend. Yeah. So routines are going to save you from a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of running on empty. Yeah. Uh, the other thing the Bible says in Proverbs, uh, you know, a man without discipline is like a city without walls. Yeah. In other words, anything can come in yeah. and destroy culture, wreck. And so routines are my walls that I put around my own life uh, in order to sustain me. So it's very basic. Often we become familiar with it. But the whole thing of having a routine and devotion. Yeah. So that's a big one, you know. So reading the word, you know, trying to get through the Bible every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, praying on a regular basis, you know. Yeah. Uh, like we found that we went through a personal challenge about seven or eight years ago. Right. And uh, it's interesting that your routines are the things that you will go back to yeah. when you're under pressure. Yeah. So if you've, you know, if, you're, if you've gone through pressured moments in life and you don't have routines, you'll go to other things to try and alleviate that pressure. You'll go to some things that are not going to help you in your ministry, you know. Uh, and so, but when you go through pressured moments, if you have a routine, you'll go back to that routine. So there are many nights when we're going through this challenge that I'll be praying two, three o'clock in the morning because that was where I would go to every single day. Yeah. And so it was in that routine that, you know, you build faith, you build a yeah, strength totally. in God. It's in that routine that you get a revelation about what you are dealing with during the day. I often find in that routine, God speaks to me about the things that are going to happen that week. Yep. And I go, hang on, I read, a bit, I read that in the Word, or God illuminated something out of the, the Word of God on a particular issue. So routines are a real big one. Uh, obviously, health routines, yeah. you know, gym routines, yeah. looking after your health, yeah. all those things are important. Yeah. Uh, I find that, you know, routines for me are the things that set me up. Yeah, good. Uh, yearly routines, having holidays, understanding, you know, when enough is enough and I need to take a break. Yeah. Being very aware of my own energy levels. Yeah, good. Like I said before, you know, no, no is a decision. Yes is a responsibility. Yeah. It's okay to say no. It's, it's okay not to load your life up. Yep. Uh, and understand your priorities as well. So family's a priority. Yeah. Family will always be a priority yeah. uh, over anything else that I do. If my family's not strong, if my relationship with my wife is not strong, how can I function Absolutely. as a minister? And so for me, being clear about priorities and routines are a big one. Yeah, really good. What's the best book you've read on leadership? Uh, look, there's a few of them. Uh, so I thought I'd just fire these out. Atomic Habits is a great book. Yeah. Phenomenal book on leadership. We just finished reading it, actually. Have you? Yeah, really good. Brilliant book. You know, the whole thing of combining uh, good habits, so things that you need to do with enjoyable habits, yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. You know, I'll give you an example. You know, I love to have a tea in the morning. I used to have coffee. I'm off coffee now, but I wow. love to have a tea in the morning. So 5 a.m., get the kettle going, Yeah. have a peppermint tea. Yeah. Uh, but it's my job to empty the dishwasher. Yeah. I hate emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> But what I do, I'll empty the dishwasher before I have my tea because okay. my tea is the reward That's it. for emptying the dishwasher. Very good. So actually what they call stacking habits together yeah. that keeps things flowing. So uh, Atomic Habits is great. There's another book by a guy called Ryan Halliday called The Obstacle is the Way. Right. And it's a phenomenal book. It just talks about that when you have obstacles in life, maybe they are the way for growth and development as a person. It's rather taking the easy way out. Yeah, very good. You know, you come across an obstacle. You think about the obstacles that we're dealing with now with COVID-19. Yeah. There's going to be a whole bunch of other ways that 
are going to be produced in our life to reach different generations yeah. through this particular obstacle. Yeah. So this guy kind of begins to map that out. And he was a marketing genius in New York and did very well. And talks about some of the challenges that he went through. Uh, that is a great book. Uh, the Power of Other, I read that a while back, right? Yeah. Henry Cloud just talks about the, yeah, in, in the community and how other people can actually stir you towards your goal. Great. There's another great book um, by a guy called Chuck DeGroat called The Toughest People to Love. Right. Which is a fantastic book. All of us in our churches have got challenging people. Yep. You know, so how do we reach those people in a yep. way that it's going to be very Christ-like? Yeah. Uh, so that's been a great book on leadership on how to deal with you know, difficult people in life. The reality is we are in the people business. Yep. And so, you know, how do you get the whole church on board? So that, that's been a fantastic book as well. Fantastic. There's some books there that I haven't read yet that I get my hands on. And finally, if you had um, only three breaths left <laughs> to pass on to those you lead, what would you say? This is something that I ask everyone at the end of the interview. Uh, if you only had three breaths left to inspire others, pass on um, uh, concise statements, ideas, thoughts to those that you lead, what would they be? I'll, I'll put them down in three words. Don't waste time. Very good. Very good. Just don't waste your time. Yeah. It happens so quickly. Yeah. Look, my daughter's now 22 years old. Yeah. And I remember when she was born, my mum turned to me. She goes, it's going to go like that so quick. And I thought, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and like that, yeah. you know, we've now got six adults in the house. Wow. And uh, so just don't waste time. Yeah. Don't waste your personal time. Don't waste your development time. You know, there's something that you can never get back as time. Yeah. And so, especially in the young years, the Bible talks about, you know, carrying the burden in youth. Yeah. You know, load yourself up. Go hard. That's it. Uh, you know, I think as you get older in life, you know, it becomes almost like an apex. You become a lot more specialized in a certain area. Yeah, you do. But when you're young, you're just doing everything. Yeah. You are doing the youth ministry. You're setting out chairs. Yeah. You're working hard. You, yeah. You know, you're, you're saving money. Yeah. You know, you're, you're developing yourself. It just, you're just doing everything in the early years of your life. And so I would just say, just don't waste time. Brilliant. Great advice. Matt, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today on this podcast. How would uh, people stay connected to your ministry and to your church? Do you have your own website or just your church website? Yeah, What's just that? church website, facecc.com.au. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of online stuff there. Check it out. Brilliant. And uh, you'll see us there. It's great. Thank you so much, mate. Well, thank you to every listener out there for listening to Kingdom Perspectives. I'm Corey Turner. It's been a privilege to host you today. I encourage you to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and I invite you to join me again next week for another edition of Kingdom Perspectives as we get God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. And remember, in all that you do, seek first the kingdom of God. 